Good morning, all y'all. How you doing? It's such a joy to be together today. Thank you for responding to God's call to be here because sometimes we know that because of the week that we have, because of the things that occur, it can be easy for us to prioritize other things. And so we're grateful that you came here today and that together we can lift our voices and hand over all that we are into God's hands. If uh, you are looking for a seat, now's a great time to come on in. No worries. If you have like a whole bunch, look, there's like a whole front row open here. Andy Lower did shower today. People can sit next to him. Uh, oh, that's, that's, see, that's friendship there, y'all. We're continuing in our sermon series today about taking off the mask, about being who we really are authentically, honestly, vulnerably. And uh, we're talking about how this is not always the easiest thing to do. So today we're going to look at a story on Luke 8, uh, I'm sorry, Luke 9. Verses 46 through 50, these are the disciples talking to Jesus, talking, well, not talking to Jesus. Jesus is overhearing what they're saying. They've been walking around. They've been doing a lot of things. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But in the midst of all of the ministry that Jesus is doing, the disciples break out in an argument. An argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, took a little child and had him stand beside him. Then he said to them, whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For whoever is least among you all is the greatest. Master, said John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name and we tried to stop him because he is not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said, for for whoever is not against you is for you. If you will, join me as we pray. God, we come to you today seeking some deeper understanding of how we can live more fully and how we can reflect your light of hope and joy and peace and promise out into the world. We pray that you will help us to be able to see clearly through any distractions or anxieties, through any fears or doubts or confusion, we pray, God, that you will help us to know your face, to know your voice, and to take comfort in it rather than fear or worry. We are imperfect people, God, but we know that it is through our weaknesses that you are strong. So may we know your strength. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. So as I said this week, we are continuing on in our sermon series, looking at how Jesus called people back in ancient Palestine and how Jesus still calls us today to step out from behind the masks that we maintain or perhaps to step out from behind the masks that are assigned to us or maintained for us so that we can be seen for who we really, truly, and authentically are. Jesus asks us to do this because as we see time and time again through scripture, it is only through honesty and authenticity that growth and change come about. As one of my favorite writers once said, she said, you can't change what you're not telling the truth about. Anyone who has ever tried to lose weight knows that this is true. Amen? Any of you ever been asked to keep a food journal or just thought that it would be a wise thing to keep a food journal of what you eat every day? Raise your hand, raise them high. Yeah, 
uh, any of you ever lie to your food journal, which includes not writing anything down because you know that you've been eating. You're just not telling your journal. Raise your hand high. Yeah. We can fool ourselves into believing that if we didn't write down that we ate that pint of Ben and Jerry's, then we didn't really eat it and the calories don't count, but you know, the scale doesn't understand our thought distortions. We cannot change what we are not telling the truth about. Jesus had a knack for seeing the truth in people, for seeing who people really were rather than for the image that they presented of themselves or for the image that others had maintained for them. And time and time again, people changed after they encountered Jesus. People were different after they had an experience of being really, honestly, and truly known by another human being and by the living God. Just being seen for who we are changes us. And there's a lot of research that's been done behind this over the last few years in particular, behind why people feel the freedom to change when they are feeling like they are known and accepted for who they really are. Keegan and Leahy are two researchers on adult development from Harvard, and they've noted that maintaining the appearance of our image requires just about the same time commitment as a full-time job except we're not getting paid for it. And it makes us paranoid because we are constantly worried that we are going to be found out to be imposters. But when we adults know that we are seen for who we are and we are accepted for who we are, for our strengths as well as for our weaknesses, when we know that we will not be rejected for who we honestly are, then what they found is we get all of that time back nearly 40 hours a week to spend on something other than convincing the people around us that we really do have it all together. We can instead take that time and put it toward changing rather than just into our appearing. This is new research that has come out about how adults can grow and expand and change over time. It's new research, but... It is an ancient concept. There's a famous Latin phrase, esse quam videri. Anyone hear it before? A little nod. (laughs) I didn't tell him this sermon beforehand, but he has it written on his wedding ring. It's credited to Cicero to be rather than to seem. To be rather than to appear. Humanity has always been preoccupied with convincing those around us that we're not imposters. We might have the research of how much time we spend on it, nearly 40 hours a week, but it's always been this way. We are really preoccupied with how we appear. And this has happened, it happened in biblical times as well. Last week, we looked at the story of a man who was born blind His public image was so wrapped up in his being blind that no one could recognize him once Jesus made it so that he could see. People were so blind to who he was, blind to his spirit and his intellect and his character, that once he was walking around like the rest of them, they had to have a full-on trial to determine if he really was the same man who they had known was born blind. You see, masks are powerful things. They 
They keep us hidden from the people who are looking at us, and they blind others to who we really and truly are. But sometimes, sometimes masks blind us to who we really are. Sometimes masks keep us from truly seeing ourselves. And because we are so preoccupied with keeping up this image of ourselves, we miss who other people really are as well. I think that's what's happening in this story today. So if you didn't catch that, that's fine, because we're going to talk more about it. I think that in this story today, the ones that are wearing the masks are only blinding themselves to who they actually are. And because they're blinding themselves to themselves, they're blinding themselves to the people who are standing right in front of them. Primarily, they're blinding themselves to Jesus. They can't see who Jesus really is either. And they're not doing this because they're arrogant, but they're doing it because they're insecure. The scripture says so. They're doing this not because they feel like they have it all together, but because in that very moment, they could see very clearly that they didn't have any of it together. So right before our scripture for today, Jesus has done this amazing miracle of feeding 5,000 people with just a few loaves of bread and a couple of fish. And then he goes up to the mountaintop to pray. And while Jesus is praying, he brings only a couple of friends with him. While he's praying, his face starts to shine with the light of God's presence. And the prophets of old come down and Jesus is having a conversation with them. It's something that the church has recognized and celebrated for the years. We call that moment of Jesus on the mountain, the transfiguration. And so while Jesus is up there praying and talking with the prophets of old, his face is shining with this eternal light. All of his friends are feeling sort of sleepy, sort of groggy. Nothing important going on here, right? So they all come down the mountaintop together. And after this moment of absolute glory, and absolute failure. They see this crowd that has been following Jesus all around the countryside. This man asks Jesus to heal his son, and after his great transfiguration and after their great failure, Jesus then heals this boy. And it's right there that our scripture for today picks up where they say this. While they continued to stand around exclaiming over all of the things that he was doing, healing this boy, the transfiguration, feeding the 5,000, Jesus says to the disciples, treasure and ponder each of these words that I'm about to say to you. The son of man is about to be betrayed into human hands. But the disciples didn't get what he was saying. It was like he was speaking a foreign language and they couldn't make heads or tails of it. But they were embarrassed to ask him what he meant. So instead, they started arguing over which of them was going to be the most famous. And when Jesus realized how much this mattered to them, he brought a child to his side and said, whoever accepts this child as if this child were me, accepts me. You become great by accepting, not by asserting. Your spirit, not your size, makes the difference. You become great by accepting, Jesus says, not by asserting. Your spirit, who you are shaping up to be on the inside, determines more of who you are than what you appear to be on the outside. To be rather than to seem. So here is Jesus feeding 5,000 with very little, healing people, speaking wisdom that the disciples don't understand. Jesus is really busy being the real deal. 
And then it's sort of sweet in this almost childlike way when the disciples decide that they're going to start arguing over who's going to be the most like him. Who will be known as the second most powerful to Jesus, the one who's more liked by Jesus, the one who reflects Jesus more, who people mix up with Jesus. They go straight into this discussion about image with very little thought about reality. You know, children do this a lot. Maybe you've seen it happen. I remember when my son was on one of his first soccer teams. He must have been five or six years old. And the coach was trying to wrangle all of these little boys together and remind them about what they had learned in practice that week, about passing, staying in position, shooting on goal, defending their own goal. And so he says to them in this way of, you know, really trying to psych them up, what are we going to do in this game? And one little boy says, I'm going to score a goal. And so then another little boy says, well, I'm going to score five goals. And another little boy says, well, I'm going to score 20 goals. And on and on, each of them was going to score hundreds of goals, no thousands of goals, just alone in the 20 minutes that they had for that game. (laughs) And that carried on until my son shouted on in the mix, and I'm not going to score anything because I play defense. I have to tell you, I was so oddly proud of my son in that moment. (laughs) Because in that moment, in all of these delusions of grandeur that were just building on one another, he saw himself and his role really clearly. And he owned it. He didn't bother to appear as some player that he wasn't going to be. Because he knew his worth. He was confident in the role that he had. He knew that he had value on that team because he was the only defender on that team. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. I love how the disciples respond to Jesus after he brings that child in front of him. Right, so right after Jesus is trying to redirect the disciples from their illusions of grandeur, trying instead to ground them in the quality of their spirit rather than in the size of their image, What do disciples do? They say, yeah, but Jesus, look at what that guy's doing over there. He's pretending to be one of us. After all of that, after this fine wisdom lesson from Jesus, they are still blind to themselves. They still don't know the value that they have. They are still blind to their preoccupation with image and appearances, blind to the Jesus who doesn't care about their reputation so much as he cares about their friendship. They're blind to this mission of good being done in the world, even if it's being done by someone that they don't know. For the disciples, maintaining their masks was proving to be a full-time job even after Jesus had offered them something else. My friends, part of being seen for who we really are, part of risking being vulnerable with others, is being honest and vulnerable with ourselves. And sometimes, being honest and vulnerable with ourselves is the scariest part. 
It can be scary to be honest with ourselves because if we're honest with ourselves, we have to face the times where we're failing and we have to feel the failure. We have to accept the times that we feel insecure and we have to accept that we feel insecure. We have to accept the places in us that are judgmental or condescending or inadequate and we have to just sit with it. It's so much easier to put up the masks of our reasons and of our defenses and of our justifications when we feel these things about ourselves. But you know what? Even in those moments, we know that none of these masks really changes anything. They just leave us with the sneaking suspicion that we're not adequate, that we're imposters, that we are really far behind on something everyone else is doing just fine at. So, if you don't hear anything else that I say today, I only want you to hear this. Everything in this Bible, absolutely everything in this Bible, says that God loves you and that God loves me, just as we are. Everything in this Bible is unconcerned with everything that we are concerned with on the outside. That Bible is unconcerned with our professions, our possessions, our status, our education, our image. This Bible is instead 100% preoccupied with our hearts, with who we are on the inside, with the things that we love about ourselves, and with the things that we are too scared to admit to ourselves. Everything in the Bible and in the Spirit tells us over and over and over again that we are loved wholly and completely by the God who created us. Everything in the Bible and in the Spirit says that God loves us and there's absolutely nothing we can do about it. Which leaves us just with the question, what are we going to do about it? Are we going to keep on maintaining that full-time job of seeming rather than being? Or will we accept the gift that we are given, that we are loved as we are, embraced as we are, cherished as we are? We might not be left as we are, but that doesn't mean anything apart from the fact that we are embraced and given freedom by the one who loves us without any exception. My friends, I invite you this week to consider how is it that you are putting energy into appearing? Where are the places in our lives where we are more concerned with how we seem than who we are? And I'm just going to challenge you that when you find one of those things, that you tell someone in this room, look around, see who's here. You never know when it's going to happen. You might have to tell them on the last minute at the coffee stop or whatever. But do it and see how it makes you feel. And together, maybe we can take off these masks and we can live in the freedom that we were intended to live in.